no clips, no clips today. Just Me is your intro on Thursday, April the 15th, the year of our Lord, 2021. Broadcasting from a, you know, it's not warm, it's not cold, it's 60 odd degrees here on Capitol Hill. And it's full of, well, you know what it's full of as usual, but it's full of activity as well. Lots going on, packing of the Supreme Court, Jerry Nadler waddling around outside your capital. You know, it, you can't make it up. It's just been a few years since they've been pushing the hashtag, we need nine. You know, Trump's going to pack the court. And now, what are we, 80 something days in, maybe 90 days in? to the Biden regime, the illegitimate Biden regime, I will have you remember. And of course, we're wagging the dog. Russia, Russia, Russia. Pack the courts. It's distraction. You're being distracted. While there is carnage on the southern border, the likes of which will fundamentally change your country forever, I'm Raheem Kassam, Editor-in-Chief of the NationalPulse.com. And some breaking news this afternoon as we record this podcast is that the indefatigable James O'Keefe of the just, just uh, you know, integral Project Veritas, integral to everything we do and know and believe to be true in real reporting, in real journalism, in real investigations. I've said it before, I've said it on camera, I've said it on the record that James O'Keefe has been an inspiration to me since I met him, I think it was 10 years ago now. And it's not just his dance moves, which are pretty good actually. But it's 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 exactly what I said, right? I'm 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 sort of tongue in cheek paraphrasing uh, George Galloway when he referred to Saddam Hussein. But the indefatigability of James O'Keefe, you know, the, James O'Keefe isn't the type of guy who who kind of wanders around Washington D.C. trying to kind of power play and you know sticking his nose into political campaigns and races and all of that kind of thing. He just grinds away on the exposés day in and day out, right? I like sometimes I like to think we have a a younger female James O'Keefe on staff here at the National Pulse in the form of Natalie Winters. Um, he's now banned. He's now suspended from 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 Twitter. You know, a day after, two days after, these huge, I mean, I mean, really world changing in in journalism. I have to I have to tell you that much. Uh, people are talking about this all over the place. They they won't let you know they're talking about it. People at CNN really don't want you to know that they're rattled by this but i mean these these earth-shattering exposés of people over at cnn admitting to pushing propaganda admitting to fear-mongering admitting to hyping covid to put the fear of god into you and of course admitting fake news stories about donald trump and matt gates and the whole rest of it just hot on the back of that kills the one million follower account on Twitter of James O'Keefe. And I'm delighted to welcome into the program, 
into the podcast with me this afternoon, one of James's best friends and board members over at Project Veritas. Uh, Matthew Tiermand joins us on the line now. Matthew, thank you for uh, taking the time out this afternoon as, as news breaks. Uh, I wish I could say my pleasure, Raheem, but under the circumstances um, beyond the normal of you and I being together, which is not always pleasurable, this is, uh, you know, some uh, some circumstances that are, you know, quite a, a harbinger of uh, worse things to come and some of the themes that we've discussed uh, ad infinitum, you, me, Steve Bannon, War Room, uh, the, the erosion of our freedoms uh, and the free speech zone that America historically was, uh, you know, this is why we're talking right now. And it really is cause for concern. Uh, it's pretty frightening stuff. You and, and Boris Epstein, I mean, what is it with you, with you balding Jewish guys who like to just rib me on my own shows? I don't, uh, <laughs> I, don't get, I mean, you, got, you, you guys could be brothers, actually, come to think about it. Oh no! I think we lost. Uh, we lost him out there. Hang on, I'm going to be trying to reconnect with him. Matt, are you still there? Yeah, there. Oh, I'm hearing total sorry. feedback. Sorry, sorry, I lost you there for a second. Um, yeah, I think there's just some some weird uh, some weird connection problem here on my end. Stick with me. I'll um, I'll have to just ride this. Uh, I'm, we're trying to do this very quickly. I I, I yeah. asked Matt five minutes before uh, coming down here to record if he wanted to do it. Didn't do any setup. Didn't do any levels because I just want to make sure the world is aware of precisely what's going on right now. And all jokes aside, right? We like to we like to to rib each other. Uh, we're old friends like that. Um, so on and so forth, right? Forget about it. It's a, right now we don't have time for that because there is something just just it, it really hurts me Matt and I'm not even kidding because yep. because James is somebody that we always look to we look to for information for guidance for for truth uh, and 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 we respect just how far he's come right from from walking around with a with a pimp cane and a and a fuzzy hat and and, and all that back in the acorn days which is a big enough scoop in and of itself but the seriousness the scope the size of the organization of project veritas over the years i mean it has become you you can't imagine an american political right without james o'keefe and project veritas but twitter absolutely needs there to be an american right without project veritas and james o'keefe yeah no it's uh, you hit the nail on the head i mean we project veritas has successfully infiltrated a corrupt and coercive oligarchy and we can see the the depth of the oligarchical behavior in we expose cnn and then this is i mean this is you know for all of us for your listeners for people in our milieu and our of uh, mindset and zeitgeist we know that cnn is a propaganda factory but now we expose it from their own high level people admitting it in private and this is the power of what james has built what he calls cinema verite uh, you know, the, the old muckraking model, you go undercover and you get the truth because right. obviously when the lights are on and the camera's rolling, they're not going to, those who are bad actors who are, who are engaging in coercive acts and lying outrightly, they're not going to admit they're doing so. But when you can go undercover and get it, pull back the curtain, that's where it's so powerful and potent. And that's why it's such a threat to an oligarchy that works together to coerce and corrupt our society for their own self-interest, their own uh, power hunger. Uh, and when you see, we expose CNN's lying and brazenness. They, they root up COVID deaths for ratings. Uh, they, they go after Matt Gates because it's on the agenda. He's a threat to their power, their hold and their aspirations on total power. So they go after with anonymous sources. You know, we, we've talked about this uh, a lot. Andrew Cuomo, gone. 12 women come out of the woodwork, nothing. Now Matt Gates, no woman's come out of the woodwork. Nobody's been on <laughs> right. record 
And it's the leading story. Chris Cuomo, his brother was under fire. Now he gets to report on an ideological enemy with anonymous sources, manufactured nonsense to coerce a narrative. And we pull the curtain back on that. So Twitter runs interference for their uh, their aides in the same sort of power power struggle along ideological lines. It's disgusting. The American people are certainly angry with it. I personally believe this CNN. I you know we we talked a lot a few months ago. I thought the biggest thing Project Veritas ever uncovered was the uh, the Somali voter fraud in Minneapolis that we all mm. knew was going on for, mm. for the last generation. And we pulled back the curtain on, it, and then we watched the media cover it up and say we were lying and making it up. So we're actually suing the New York Times over that. Well, this is even bigger because. Think about how many 20 and 30-somethings have been swallowing leftist pablum, hook, line, and sinker from the academy, from the media. But they're not so far gone, like they're 40 and 50 and 60-year-old hard leftists, that if we pull back the curtain, they might not rethink it and say, shoot, my eyes have been lying to me or my ears, they've been lying to me. And now I see there's an alternative reality that is demonstrable. And that red pills people, that changes their mind, opens their eyes. And that's why this is so mission critical to them. Twitter, Facebook, big media, big tech, those who are pushing uh, this entire ideological paradigm of oligopolistic control of an establishment that doesn't really care about the working man, that doesn't care about the damage that's done uh, in when borders are broken down, especially in the southern border. It doesn't care about cops being shot and gang wars in cities like Chicago. Everything is a as CNN said, a BLM narrative. We don't focus on, uh, uh, you know, black men killing Asians or hurting Asians or attacking. We only focus on the whites mm-hmm. doing that because it's a narrative that we're pushing because we want to help BLM. Uh, there's no coverage of the BLM uh, head who has bought houses with these BLM ill-gotten gains and donations and corporate shakedowns. Uh, so the selective narration and misdirection, the fraud that's being perpetrated on society that the fourth estate is supposed to protect against but has become a part of. Uh, we uncover that. And so what does big tech do? It runs into hyper overdrive with a flimsy excuse that we now, James, has just announced. We've just been talking about this the last hour uh, at TV. Uh, we're launching a lawsuit uh, against Twitter because well, they so, said that uh, we operated fake accounts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on, hang on. Uh, because because let's. I just want to, you you and I are, are, are in the weeds on this and, and, and yep. rightly so. Let's, let's you know, re, re kind of, state some of the things that have been going on over the last day um for the for the listeners who who you know have have ordinary lives and and i don't expect to necessarily keep up and good for those that do but necessarily keep up with every single thing let me let me try and play here let me try and bring in one of these clips that you guys uh released today from charlie chester the cnn technical director here they just like leave it be why i don't know like you can shape an entire people's perception about anything on how you do it, right? Like, just by, like, forcing a story um, um, to help, like, your platform, you know? Like, you can all of a sudden say, like, coal is the future of, like, energy. Well, that could be propaganda because, like, who owns the company might have stake in, like, coal mining. I doubt Charlie Chester will be the last employee we hear from at CNN. Stay tuned, America. 
So, Matt, that was just one of the latest ones that we've heard. Charlie Chester there sort of describing, again, he's very proud of this. He seems very proud of this and, and, and very au fait with it, of how you force a story and how you propagandize and how you sell fear. And over the last couple of days, you've drip, drip, dripped lots of different clips like that. As we've discussed, the Gates one, the one about Trump losing the election because of CNN, the one about uh, COVID-19 and the numbers. I mean, you know, he... he really dropped the head of the network Jeff Sucker in it didn't he he said you know he calls up and tells us to put the COVID deaths on the screens because that's what causes people you know fear causes people to watch the news it's an old saying if it bleeds it leads and he actually said it and said it you know you can see the the willful uh the willfulness in the manipulation the pride they take in it Mm. and he admits it you know he when the camera's not rolling he's admit we run propaganda uh, Matt Gates is a threat to the Democratic agenda because he's a loud, vociferous, populist, nationalist, conservative, supports Trump, and he gets traction. So we got to go get him, and they do. Uh, Zucker has a red phone that goes to the production room and talks, especially, I'm sure, during the primetime segment. Yeah. Uh, what he wants to see, uh, that is not the way uh, real news should work. He's an executive, uh, but he has a motive, and it's profit motive, and it's ideological motive. What may be tertiary even beyond that priority is the motive to report news as news is a thing that should be reported. The fourth right. estate existed historically as our human civilization, Western civilization evolved to report as a responsibility in free democratic Western societies what is going on. And even if there's a, a differentiation in the editorial pages of different outlets, I mean, as long as this country has existed, there have been newspapers, and the, those who own the newspapers and the editorial staff, they had their biases. But there was a seriousness in goal mm. to try and report the news and then opine on it in the editorial pages. And that, I mean, if you look at the case and uh, that we're taking on uh, versus the New York Times, we got past motion to dismiss, which is a massive milestone. It allows, we can, it'll, it allows us to get yeah. discovery and start digging into their actual uh, documentary proof, whether it's email, me- conversation. Uh, whether they actually acted with malice. Which let me bring they you, did. let me bring you back on that onto that topic in just a second because I just want to just want to round off this this little segment here and then ask you two more questions. One of those is on the New York Times and the other is about this broader thing that's happening with Twitter today. But I just want to remind the audience of another of the clips that is uh, out there that that was you know just so brilliantly released by Project Veritas in the last day or so. Just take a listen to this. The network being like, there's nothing that you're doing right now that makes me want to stick. Put the numbers back up because that's the most enticing thing that we have. So put it back up. So like things like that are constantly talked about. I mean, there's no such thing as um, unbiased news. Any reporter on CNN, what they're actually doing is they're telling the person what to say. It's always like leading them in a direction before they even open their mouth. And the only people that we will have on the air, for the most part, are people that have a proven track record of taking the bait. 
A proven track record of taking the bait that explains a lot of CNN's gormless guests that they have on. And there, Matthew, Charlie Chester is talking about all sorts of different things. He's talking about um, putting the COVID numbers back on the screen because they're enticing. He says there's no such thing as unbiased news. Um, You know, all of these different sort of insights into how the CNN operation works. Um, Let me ask you this real quick. This isn't one of my two questions. This is sort of just a just a quick one. To your knowledge, is Charlie Chester still employed at CNN? Uh, we have no idea. Uh, look, I mean, they always throw their troops under the bus because they really do believe in, uh, in sort of a socialist ethos of one team, one dream. Mm. So they dispatch their, uh, inconveniences very, very quickly, much like the Soviets mm-hmm. did in the gulag. Uh, but you have to admit, he's a good soldier. He says what's the, exactly they're thinking and doing and, mm. and has pride in it. So, I mean, he is certainly of their milieu. Uh, we don't know. We don't have any confirmation. All we know is he locked his LinkedIn or deleted his LinkedIn. It mm-hmm. was up. Uh, then it uh, then it disappeared. Uh, but, you know, they're certainly not happy with him. You know, we had we had hit CNN in the past in terms of uh, exposed uh, some of their people. We had an insider, Terry Porch, uh, who was contracted in D.C. as a production guy who uh, who showed a lot of stuff. We obviously got in there with the uh, with the, the morning call. We were dialing in and uh, taping the morning call, listening to their plotting to uh, coerce the news cycle, not report on the news cycle. Mm. Uh, and then we had a guy named Steve Brusk who, uh, who had uh, behaved very inappropriately and managed to stay on until we exposed his behavior, and then he was canned. My guess is Chester will be uh, thrown under the bus, much like the, uh, the counsel for PBS was a few months ago, much like the uh, head of NPR was a few years ago. Uh, they, they, di- they disassemble uh, their inconveniences very, very quickly uh, because for them it's one team, one dream uh, in their desire for, uh, for power and socialist utopia with them at, or technocratic socialist utopia with them at the helm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if he'll be gone, but he was really a good soldier. He was doing exactly what they wanted, what they're all doing when he talks about bringing in the guests. We know that. You know, it's really funny. Look at the right-wing guests that they brought on. Uh, guys like Bill Crystal. Uh, oh yeah, Eric Erickson, uh, guys who are very willing, willing to hew to their Look, line. I mean, even 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 Trump. somebody who I've who I've respected the positions of in the past, Rick Santorum, has given so much way um, to CNN's oh, line no. of questioning, especially as it regarded President Trump. I mean, it's just you know he's confirms everything that, that that we know. And like you say, I think you're right. There are there is a captive audience out there of people who are willing to listen to how the media is screwing them day in and day out. Hardcore listeners of this podcast and 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 readers of the NationalPulse.com, I understand are probably even further um, in the weeds than, than we are at some, in, 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 at some times, Matthew. Uh, but you hope that it can go beyond that. You hope that it can pl- 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 oh, I can't say it now. <laughs> pl- pl- proliferate. It. Proliferate. Yeah. Um, longer than that, further than that. And, and I think you guys were doing just such an amazing job at making that happen. I mean, you're trending every single day. There's something trending from Project Veritas. Millions upon millions of views on your things. So let me ask you, let me, let me put to you the specific allegation that Twitter makes of you, of your founder, of James O'Keefe, of the organization Project Veritas. This is the reason they say that you have been removed from the platform. Um, it is that you have been breached breach the rules in terms of spam policy see uh, you have operated fake accounts so let me ask you this up front uh, has have has james o'keefe or project veritas used spam bots or fake accounts to make those trends happen no uh, uh you know uh, assuredly not uh we're real journalists and we are transparent in what we report we want to get things trending organically based on merit uh look they'll back into anything 
in the in the midst of you know the trench warfare over ideas that we're all in uh, to, to to technocratically exercise their guillotine. And this is a, a decapitation. Uh, Twitter's a very powerful mechanism for distributing news very quickly, distributing ideas very quickly. Mm. Uh, and we never do something like they're accusing us of, and that's why James is launching suit against them, because that's a defamatory statement. It is a knowingly false statement. Now, what so, they so, probably— Hang on, just, just to be very clear. You, James, is now, James is going to be suing Twitter now because yep. they have made a false claim. I mean, that is a, that is a very—I mean, they've effectively uh, accused him of fraud. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And when there are—when uh, the conversation, like they like to say, gets hijacked. Now, for them, uh, hijacking is anything that they don't disagree with. Uh, but when it goes—something it goes something goes viral— uh, you know, I think they're going to say their their suggestion is going to be, well, there are all these accounts pushing the hashtag. Well, Twitter is the one that came up with the hashtag as a as a part of the the, the modern lexicon of social media communication. Yeah. And so when we create a hashtag. That was what Twitter was designed for. Remember the uh, the infancy of Twitter? It was hash. I didn't know what a hashtag was. It was <laughs> I thought it was a number sign you pushed on a on a you know dial one to get the customer service. Push push showing the number your age. Sign. You're showing your age. I certainly. Well, yeah, I'm old enough to remember New York when it was uh, back to what it's become now. Well, you're, you're old enough to remember New York, New York being bad the first time. Exactly. Yeah, I grew <laughs> up. It was a real uh, hole country to uh, quote our uh, yeah, former right. president. So, so uh, let, me but, just be, let me just be, because yep. I know I told you 10 minutes, it's been 20, you've been no, very fine. kind with your time. Um, Project Veritas statement, okay, I'm just going to read this out for the audience so they know. It says, statement, I am suing Twitter for defamation because they said I, James O'Keefe, operated fake accounts. This is false, this is defamatory, and they will pay. Section 230 may have protected them before, but it will not protect them from me. The complaint will be filed Monday. Matt, a lot of people will be skeptical of that, given the fact that it's been so hard to sue social media organizations in the past, but this one it does seem is is more clear cut they've they've they have made an allegation of fraudulent behavior uh of of of, of, of a very public figure yeah a hundred percent uh you know uh the, the one of the funny things about you know the uh, project very and james o'keefe relations with twitter is that he is the largest followed journalist by any standard you know journalism is a uh uh you know on a strict definition uh, it's like, you know, the old philosophical debate, what is art? I know it when I see it. I know what it's not. Well, journalism is just reporting. And now with technology, we can all be citizen journalists. You and I have had these discussions many times. We yeah. create journalists just by virtue of finding smart people who are curious about the world around them and are willing to report it. Mm. Well, James institutionalized uh, what he does. His form of muckraking uh, meets techno- technological journalism with uh, videos and audio and cameras and getting the cinema verite. Uh, but he is the largest followed journalist by any definitional standard that's never been blue checkmarked. And the entire right. blue checkmarking process was initially, uh, it existed for celebrities on a, on a secondary level. You know, there's not that many of them, but for journalists. Right. So that you could a- add a level of credibility when somebody was a journalist, had copy that was written in an outlet and was either vocational or something that they did at, you know, at a decent level, at a credible level. And he's never been blue checkmarked out of pure spite. Because they don't like him, they don't like us, they don't like what we do, they don't like where we stand. If we did this from a leftist perspective, and by the way, they're so quick to say this is that our form of journalism, the cinema verite, which is exactly what the muckrakers did uh, in the post-industrial age when there was excesses, what capital abused labor. It's exactly what the Chicago Sun-Times did in the 70s where they created a, a fake bar to get cops and judges and private interests exchanging bribes. It's exactly what uh, Gunter Walruf did in Germany. Uh, in the 70s. Uh, he went undercover mm. and exposed things. 
Uh, but when they do it, it's fine. I remember the New York Times did an undercover thing on far-right activists. A uh, guy pretended to be a far-right guy and, and got all the, uh, the audio of, of, of some seriously far-right bad dude. Mm. Uh, that, was, that was more than the Pulitzer. But when we expose uh, those entities who are at the highest rungs of, of commercial and engaged society, who have a serious responsibility, they've got tens of thousands of employees, they impact hundreds of thousands, millions of people, big tech, big media. Uh, and we expose it. And this is exactly what journalism grew to do for the last hundred years was go after the sacred cows. Well, opposed to the 60s, uh, the, uh, the counterculturals took over all these institutions. So uh, the sacred cows were just anyone they disagreed with. But when we go after these, you know, the, these paragons of, of, of large role playing in society, then we're the enemy and we have to be silent. So, uh, and you know what? We're at a scale where it's a lot tougher than science. We have the resources. We can go to court. We still have, God willing, still the Constitution to protect us. And we've come across judges yeah, who do believe in the Constitution, <laughs> like this one, well, one in Westchester, uh, who, uh, who, who dismissed uh, the motion to dismiss. So, so, so just, bef- just before we get to the New York Times, and I am really interested in this, not least because I actually don't know what's going on with you guys in the New York Times in great detail. I've, you know, I've, I've sort of seen your press releases here and there. I can't know everything. Um, let me ask you just this one question uh, about about something else that was going on in in the background of all of this, and that is somebody called Jesse Hicks. What has been going yeah. on with this? With this, I mean, I'm assuming Jesse Hicks is a pretty left wing person. Um, what, what, who is Jesse Hicks, and what, what, what relevance does this have to what Project Veritas has been up to lately? You know, I describe himself as a writer and editor, seen in the New Republic and uh, Politico and Vice and mm. uh, other, you know, quote unquote journalism outlets. Mm. But as we know, and as we continue to prove, they're propagandist outlets. Uh, he uh, he he impersonated one of our former employees and sent out emails. Uh, to current employees to try and extract information. It was basically you're, you're certain looked, of that. I mean, you're you're making an allegation yourself now. You're you're coming on this podcast, very public thing to do. Uh, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of listeners to this. You are making the allegation that Jesse Hicks impersonated one of your employees. Uh, I will quote what James tweeted right before he was suspended. Uh, and by the way, dozens and dozens and dozens of listeners. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> only if only if you press play dozens of times, Matt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to Jesse listen to yourself back, which we know that you're not above, by the way. I, are, <laughs> are any of us? We can admit it. Unlike Brian uh, Stelter and Chris Cuomo, we can admit our uh, our humanity and our fallibility. That is true. Uh, Je- Jesse at Jesse Hicks, we know you impersonated Megan in our comms department to extract info because the phone numbers matched your actual phone number. Wow. This is unlawful and arguably racketeering lawyer up. Wow. You denied impersonating our employees. Now we have proof in court. And we've been dealing with this for, uh, for some time. We get attacked all the time uh, it, in all sorts of different ways, you know, obviously front and center with lies, but behind the scenes as well uh, by some of these hard left activists, mm. uh, Antifa types. You and I have talked about uh, uh, well, recently fired, uh, you know, Nazi progeny, uh, uh, Luke O'Brien from Huffington Post, well, uh, who... You know, that's really interesting that you bring that that person up because I've noticed, and, and this is something for the audience to look into as much as it is something that we, we've been looking into and that we're going to continue to look into, Matt, but that is this this 
preponderance of you know i suppose it's called it's called rose twitter right and yeah. and you yeah. have all of these um you know quote unquote reporters but in fact all they are 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 very very far left i mean way 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 to the left of cnn way 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 to the left of jim acosta they are yeah. they are activists they are you know shoulder to shoulder radical. with antifa let me just finish this one thought. Yeah. Yeah. totally but they all put in their in their uh, twitter bios at WGA East, and that is the Writers Guild of America East. It appears to be a a, a very very um, hardline Marxist training ground. And I just noticed when I went to look at Jesse Hicks' uh, Twitter account because we were just talking about Jesse Hicks. Firstly, his his verified Twitter account is locked. Which, if you yeah, ask me. Yeah, he's locked it, right? So, so if you ask, yeah. I mean, talk about talk about a signal of guilt. But, but anyway, if 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 you lock your Twitter account, I think you should lose your verification thing, right? Because because that just that just shouldn't be a thing. But of course, when you click through, you see he's got this thing in his thing that says GMG Union. So I went and looked at what GMG Union is. This is the Gizmodo Media Group Union, and the first thing that's in their bio is members of WGA East, same as Luke O'Brien, same as all these other guys, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, the, a lot of the Rose City, uh, the Rose stuff uh, relates to Rose City Antifa, which is now the intellectual capital of America, Antifa. It's Portland, Oregon, which is mm. the Rose City. And, you know, when we talk about how far left these people are, these are people who cheer on the firebombing of the federal courthouse in Portland. Wow. I mean, these are, these are you know, cartoon character leftist radicals, 1960 SDS weather underground style. Yeah. You know, they believe, you know, workers of the world unite Marx style and, you know, let's get head on pike, let's do French Revolution guillotines. Uh, I mean, these are these people are really. I mean, uh, between the education system and their already chemical imbalances, it was like a, a a horrible brew, a horrible mix, and we end up with these people. And they have Twitter accounts, never ever getting banned, no right. matter how many calls to violence they lead, including against people like you and me and Jane. Oh, sure. Luke O'Brien writes hit pieces about us until he was uh, he was recently canned, uh, and you know he's one of the most vociferous anti-Nazis. You know, all the right winger Nazi fascists. Right. Turns out his family is, uh, you know, worked with the Hitler war machine. Uh, wow. Made their family fortune, and we've uh, well, that's you know, you know, that's all a topic for another time because I think there is something yeah, very fascinating right. in there. Actually, a lot of these people who uh, ha- are descended from uh, tyrants, oppressors, uh, anti-Semites, and 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 so on and so forth, um, are, are kind of sort of maybe attempting to overcompensate you know have i don't know what is going on there but it's a really fascinating thing that you raise we'll have to get into it another time i, I really want to bring you back now to the to the new york times stuff so yeah. so yeah. What, what is bring us right to the beginning of that why what what did the new york times ever do to you uh so the new york times has obviously smeared us many many different times in different ways but they really went into overdrive and cartoonishness of the way that they were doing exactly what we're discussing here, acting like protective uh, leftist activists, partisans, not journalists at all, not only not reporting facts, but burying inconvenient facts, playing up non-inconvenient facts, and making up other facts. After the Minnesota uh, expose we did and the Somali voter fraud in the Somali community, all the voter fraud, the paper ballots, the ballot harvesting, where we had an actual ballot harvester on tape admitting. And not just tape that we took from his own social media that we captured before he realized we were investigating him, where he shows ballots all over his car. We show video of cash exchanging hands for ballots, and then they come back later and say, no, no, that was for a charity drive for a sick kid in Somalia. 
though we see a ballot exchanging hands and cash exchanging hands. Mm. So don't believe your lying eyes. So Facebook and USA Today partnered together on their disinformation project, which is obviously nonsense. Uh, they, they, they run interference and they run out all these narratives uh, that are trying to refute what your eyes are telling you. And then the New York Times gets involved and they run out a whole bunch of this. Uh, Maggie Astor, uh, quote unquote, he's journalist in quotes. Uh, runs out uh, that this was a coordinated disinformation campaign to uh, undermine the groundbreaking New York Times work in reporting on Trump's taxes, which much like it was uh, three or four years ago uh, during the campaign on 16, uh, it was a nothing burger. There was nothing there. And she, you could see by the timeline that uh, for her to say we were a coordinated disinformation campaign. The timeline that we were engaging in our journalism versus when she pushed end so quickly or pushed send, pushed upload, yeah, it looks like published. she was involved in a coordinated disinformation campaign. And they, they brought, they trotted out some uh, nonsense group called the uh, Stanford Internet Observatory Project, which has no oh, real yeah. affiliation no, with no, Stanford. No. Matt, Matt, I don't know if you've seen our reporting on those people yet. I mean, it's all these are all Chinese Communist Party linked yeah, uh, yeah, operations yeah. and organizations. I mean, that that, that is that is. Too, here's how you know it's true. We have published that story. It went super viral. Millions of people saw it, and we didn't hear a peep from their legal team. And that's and that's what that's what happens. Plus, it's you know frequently we we say, and it's not just with the left, with the right too. We you know, uh, uh, some of the establishment hacks of the right, you know, they attack us because they don't like that we're fighting for a populist, nationalist, conservative America and Western civilization. Uh, and they throw some nonsense at us. Mm. We refute it and they go silent. Uh, is that, you know, is that actually true? People, establishment people on the right are, are attack. I mean, I look, I take attacks from establishment people on the right all the time, but I, th- I thought Project Veritas was pretty, yeah, I... I, I there's nothing that you guys do that could be perceived as, as, as offensive to the the political establishment on the right, right? Yeah, I mean, you don't even weigh in against them, right? Yeah, well... What uh, I'm saying you know, is, give me some names. Tell that to uh, Dan McLaughlin, who goes uh, under at Baseball Crank on Twitter for National Review Online, which mm. tells you a lot right there. You know, the, the dying, bleeding, uh, the bleeps of a dying uh, establishmentarian outlet. I mean, uh, listen, hey, buddy... Who was telling you this four or five years ago? <laughs> I told you. My father and William F. Buckley were friends. National Review was a great person for many years, and he'd be spinning because as as uh, as establishment Greenwich as he was, he was also a pop, uh, populist and an egalitarian. This is the guy who said, I'd rather be governed by the first 50 names in the Boston phone book than the Harvard faculty lounge. Yeah. So NR has lost its way. He also he kicked out the Birchers. He went after uh, yeah. you know those who were violating the, the basic precepts of classical liberalism and conservatism, which is identity politics need not apply. We judge people based on the merit of their character and the mm-hmm. content of their character, to paraphrase Martin Luther King. And so, you know, seeing what NRs become uh, as this, you know, just dying, trying to hold on for dear life and maintain relevance. I mean, they're, you know, not that far away from the Lincoln Project at times. It, it's absolutely uh, uh, really sad to see. Yeah. So yeah, you were right. You were right on that. I was, I was hopeful it wouldn't be the case, but you know, I'll leave crow on it. But we went after uh, <laughs> Dan McLaughlin yesterday because he he attacked O'Keefe and said you do you've done nothing of relevance uh, in you know since wow. 2010. That's unbelievable. Like, That's unreal. Are you joking? Yeah. What have you done, Dan McLaughlin, for yeah. National Review? Meanwhile, James throws out the same thing. He throws out regularly at this point, which is when they try, try and smear us as you know uh, editing, uh, uh, trying to create false context through editing or disinformation or you know misdirection uh 
find us an example. We'll give you 10 grand. And I was on the phone with O'Keefe last night when we were going, we were looking at this nonsense. And uh, I said, you know what? Don't just do $10,000 to you. $10,000 to a charity of your choice. Yeah. And then, you know, today, if we weren't so busy, I'd say, you know, hit him back and say, what? You don't like children? You don't like military vets? If you have something, <laughs> don't you want to get 10000 for yeah. a charity? Yeah. Uh, and then let's get him to retract. Because these people are spinning nonsense and they're trying to remain relevant. That includes the right and the left. Uh, and it's, it's sad. I mean, look at who goes on, like we discussed, look at who goes on CNN and then juxtapose it with our, with our good friend, Steve Cortez, who was pushed out of CNN for being effective because he didn't take the bait because he fought back. Yeah. Uh, and that's, it's really sad state of affairs. We've exposed a lot of it. And now we see the, uh, the ramifications, they circle the wagons. There's no daylight between them. The part, the, the monolith, the partisan radical left, uh, establishment monolith gets together because it's one team, one dream. It's we need to fight our ideological opponents, not report the news, not offer a platform for free speech. That's just a sleeper cell. That's the sales pitch, but it's fraud. They're looking for ideological hegemony uh, and they're working together to obtain it. Yeah. And they're trying to silence guys like James O'Keefe. Uh, you know, I'm shadow banned. You were suspended multiple times and you've had, you know, purges of your following. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, uh, this is just uh, the hand we're dealt. And then they say, build your own, uh, platform and then they take off parlor yeah, so, yeah you know yeah. we're, we're entering the anyway. um listen let me let me let me ask you a question here i mean or actually i'm not going to ask you any more questions i'll ask you one more question in just a moment but i just want to bring this to your attention here it was very funny as you were speaking i, I went and i pulled up the national reviews um it's their media kit, right? This is what they circulate to people saying, please advertise with us because because we reach such an influential audience. And you go through their list of advertisers and it's Coke and Chevron and Boeing and Microsoft and Walmart and Google and AEI and Cato and Comcast. And it's all of these organizations, institutions, corporations that are routinely selling Americans out, selling the Constitution out, selling ballot integrity out. I mean, National Review is, 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 is as much uh, I guess on the on the other side as, as as CNN is now, right? Yeah, I mean I, maybe not as much as CNN, Come and on they do now. have. Come on now, I, I mean, was right I, the first time. We, we, we I don't want to you know reduce things to the uh, the hyperbolic and the absurd. There's still some great That's writers. All you do, well, sometimes uh, there's still some great writers in after. Andy McCarthy does it. He did a great job uh, on Russia on breaking down why this was I fraudulent. Know. And I love Andy. I love Andy as a human being, but again, just just philosophically in the wrong place. A broken clock can be right twice a day, yeah. Matt, but just well, philosophically I'm, I'm a, in the wrong place. I'm a classical liberal that believes in pluralism, so yeah. everyone can have their own outlets, but it's important to no, stand I'm not, on I'm not, saying we need to, I'm not saying we need to you know, remove their outlet from them. I'm just saying sure. they're doing that themselves. Um, Matt, let, let, me, uh, let me just close with you on this because we've, we've gone on very long. We've gone 40 minutes now, four times the amount of time um, yeah, that, that I said well that's what you always do I remember the first you know I still remember that, having to listen that, to you give a speech in the British Parliament which I think oh, was supposed to be a, a 20 minute speech delivered no. you know delivered in one time speed and you actually ended up giving an hour and a half speech delivered at three times speed it was right. one of the worst single worst experiences of my life um, but then we went and had some drinks at the uh, at the Churchill Arms. So at, at the Westminster Arms, correct? Westminster Arms. Sorry. Um, uh, but uh, let me just let me just finish with this because I'm 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 really fascinated as to how the organization works. I I, I I'm there's, there's no kayfabe going on here, ladies and gentlemen. I actually 
you know, Project Veritas keeps runs a very, very tight ship, and they have to. Uh, they are they are constantly, as you've heard from Matthew today, and you've seen constantly under fire. There are constantly people trying to infiltrate, fake credentials. You know, screw them over. So they run a very tight ship to the point where even somebody like me, who's known James for ten years, and Matt, I think we've known each other for what, like five or six years now, maybe even longer. Uh, eight, eight, nine years now. Oh, wow. Thirteen yeah. Yeah, and, and 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 even you guys, like I don't even come to you asking for hyper detail because I just know, right? You you cannot run an no. effective organization by just by just gobbing off around town. So let me ask you this: um, you know, how are you guys doing? Because you're under fire from everyone, you, you're getting sued and you're suing, and you know, there's all these things. How are you guys doing for cash? And can the audience help at all? Uh, look, it's a big organization. Our headcount's the highest it's ever been. Our active operations are the highest it's ever been. Our infrastructure is the most, uh, you know, complicated and deep uh, and, and, and working very, very well. Uh, you know, we have every sort of uh, mechanism that, that exists to distribute information to protect our sources, to obtain content and footage. Mm. Uh, but look, the number one resource, and it's fungible, which is the good news, is cash, is donations, uh, you know, the more people donate, the more we can evolve and continue to, you know, to have better operational security, have better equipment, have better distribution mechanisms. So I always encourage, you know, I don't, there are a few organizations in the movement that really do something. They're not employment farms. That's There's right. a whole lot of employment farms in the movement, but there are a few half a dozen or maybe 10 organizations that really do great work and fight and they do it where all the money goes into the mission, mm. not to just create employment farming. Yeah. Uh, so, I actually you know, refuse to employ people for that very reason. <laughs> is that you know you start taking people on, and before you know it, you're literally just making money to keep those people. It just doesn't you know it doesn't work right. as a thing. That's why we keep it real tight here over at the National Pulse as well. I know you can give to Project Veritas using Bitcoin now. It's part of the Amazon yep. Smile program. Um, there's a Cash App. It, all the details are available. Uh, ProjectVeritas.com forward slash donate. I highly recommend it. It's one of the very very few organizations uh, that I think, as Matt just explained, does actually spend their money effectively uh and doesn't and, and and by the way i know that somebody recently tweeted oh you know james o'keefe makes a salary of four hundred thousand dollars this is where the donor's money is going and it turns out that that's one you know tiny tiny percentage of how much money the organization's yeah. raising but i i replied to it and i said listen as far as i'm concerned with all the good that james o'keefe does for the for the movement and for truth in the country he could be taking a million dollar salary every year and i would not care honestly i wouldn't bat an eyelid and i'm speaking as somebody who has hit that donate button right yeah and uh james uh you know he worked literally 100 plus 120 sometimes <laughs> a full 168 hours a week he is non-stop <laughs> yeah. he is incredibly underpaid but we're very cognizant of you know <laughs> running a non-profit uh and uh, and Look, that I, exists I, I, you just, you, if you think about it you know somebody like james o'keefe could have gone into any industry he wanted it and probably been a multi-billionaire by now right but he is he is he has dedicated his life to the truth and i just think i just think you know who are these petty people who are going ooh you know $400,000 i like literally i i understand that that's a lot of money but if you understand what it what it, what goes into running an organization like that how much your private life is always under attack how much you have to have security to go everywhere yeah, we, you know all of this stuff it's like nigel uh, farage you know people used to complain to me that nigel oh, nigel farage is living high on the hog on his emmy francy mep salary in brussels they didn't realize that by the time you pay for your private security and you know to have your you know your house firebomb proofed and all of that stuff that money is gone 
like you have to have a driver because you can't get on public transport if you're Nigel Farage. You know, all of these different things and that money's gone. And it just, it really, it really got to me. It really upset me when people used to say things like that because honestly, he he, he was living for a while. I'm sure he wouldn't like me even saying this, but he was living hand to mouth for a while, right? And yeah. and, and that's, it's such an awful thing uh, that we expect of our, of our, you know, the real leaders out there to, to have to do. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, look, he was a uh, he was a city guy. He was a broker. He was on Wall Street in London, and he left to fight for Brexit over the right. course of thirty years. Public service. Yeah, right. I think he's the first one who would say that. You know, the European part. Well, he was the first one to say the European Parliament needs to go. It's bloated. Right. It's uh, you know they're overpaid. We all remember in the mid two thousands the video exposés of all the MEPs going shuffling to Brussels to get their checks and leaving and and their per diems. Yeah. Uh, but you know, he made a choice to serve the mission that he valued and his ideology and fight the good fight in in the public policy and politics realm. Uh, and, and that's, you know, James as well. I mean, he, but he that's worked what, on This is what I'm saying. And I, you know, the reason I'm, you know, the reason I'm even talking about this is sometimes I think people don't, you know, necessarily even realize somebody like Jim Acosta, for instance, right? He doesn't need any of that. He swans around Washington, D.C. You know, people lay down on the street before him uh, to act as a red carpet everywhere he goes, and he pulls down a million dollars a year, right? Easy, yeah. easy. Um, you know, book deals and all of that aside. And then the left has the has the audacity, has the, has the you know, the, the disgusting temerity to accuse people like uh, James O'Keefe, who's, and I don't know this for a fact, Fact, Matthew, but I imagine the case is that you know the guy spends probably so much money, you know, on security and things like that. That there's no like there's no lavish part. He's not wearing Armani suits, right? And it, it, again, that really really upsets me when people do that because it costs it costs an arm and a leg to move around a hostile city like Washington D.C. You know, making sure that you're not you're not punched in the face every, on every street corner uh, by some Antifa loony. And and again, I'll say it again, and I'm I'm gonna do it myself as well everybody needs to donate to project veritas's cause because they put money into you know you, you've got to recruit a a uh, you know firstly there's going to be a whole recruitment pool of people who are going to come in and be undercover people like matt we didn't even talk about for instance this this young lady who who stung um you know charlie chester over at uh, over at cnn i think she went on five dates with him via the tinder app that's how dedicated these people are that takes like a year to train somebody to do that and to make sure that they're you know that everything's right and then of course you've got the equipment and the legal fees and the processing and all of that and i just think i you know i look at everything that you guys are doing and honestly if i didn't have a wedding coming up matt i would i would empty my checkbook to you guys uh, well, much appreciated. Uh, congratulations on the pending nuptials. No one's Thank you. as shocked as I am about that. Uh, oh, yeah. is that envy I hear? Nah. I oh, you're going to be the only single guy in the room at these events uh, now. Uh, <laughs> I, as I said, when I first met her, I said, you have the patience of a saint. Uh, and she was on the said, but he's a saint. <laughs> With a, uh, you know... For the for the listening you. audience here, you have to understand that Matthew and I have been to a lot of things, a lot of these events and and fundraisers and you know uh, uh, conferences and all of that. And for a long time, we were the two single men in the room. So, Matt, I, I can hear in your voice what's happening here. Look, it's like wedding crashes, right? We were the wedding crashes, and and the old team is now on the scrap heap. I'm I'm sorry about it. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, we know that once you get married, you get American citizenship. Finally. Oh, no, oh, no, no, no. Hang on, hang on. Listen, no? listen, listen. 
that's all remains to be seen, right? Like, you right. know, who's offering me the better okay. deal is what I'm asking. I, well, I'm, I'm the asset honest. here. I was excited to start calling you Anchor Baby, but, <laughs> but no, we're it all makes a change from just baby, I suppose. Yeah, well, you, you've grown up. You're uh, you're quite a mensch. We're all proud of you, Raheem. So, uh, and, 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 yeah, and the support. the um, the uh, pride goes both ways. I thank you for your time. I thank you for your work. Yeah. Uh, uh, thank you for joining us here today, Matthew Timmon. Certainly. Talk soon. Well, that went a lot longer than I uh, I expected it to go, but you know, I uh, there is a there is just such a okay. This is how it is. Project Veritas is fundamental. It's fundamental. I have no stake in that organization. I don't own part of it. I'm not on the board. I you know I I am a total neutral observer when it comes to Project Veritas, right? Except for the fact that I'm a stakeholder in the stories that they put out because I think we all are. Right, and I want everybody to feel the 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 level of of uh, you know owing to them as as I feel. I just I've seen how much incoming these people take, and I've taken like you know fifty percent of what of what these guys have taken over the course of their careers, and. If you can help them, help them. If you can't, I get it too. Um, but make sure that you are helping their stories proliferate. See, I got it out that time. Um, sharing them, all the social media platforms, emails. You know, talk to your friends and families about the things that these guys are putting out. We'll keep you up to date as much as possible on what's going on with that Twitter suspension. Who knows, by the time this podcast goes up, maybe he's back online, right? They did that to Marjorie Taylor Greene. Suspended, back on, suspended, back on. This is like, we've got these like toddlers running our lives, our free speech, our communications infrastructure, the globe. And it's toddlers, angry toddlers, with little roses in their Twitter bios. Talk about WGA East in the future at some point. In the meantime, got a lot of stories up at thenationalpulse.com. Please go ahead and share them across all of your platforms. We rely on you. And frankly, I want to take National Review down. Make the new National Review the National Pulse. Oh, if we overtake them in traffic, I'll be so happy. All right, I'll see you again very soon. Thank you for tuning in and share and review and like this podcast. Thank you. See you soon.